right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for laughter. Thank you for joy. Thank you for giving us life and life more abundantly. Thank you, Father, for your word. Your word is truth. It's perfect, always on time. Thank you for opening up our eyes to your great love for us. We receive all that you have for us today because it is always good. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. All right. Hey. As we get ready for the Christmas season, uh, I want to give you, how many of you guys ever grew up in a house? I didn't, but some of you guys did. You grew up in a house where uh, uh, your family might read Luke chapter 2 during Christmas, right? And they, they just read it because it's something we do, <laughs> right? You're gonna, we're going to read from the Bible. Why? Hey, we're just going to read from the Bible, and you're going to sit there and like it, Right? It's like that. <laughs> it, it, there's, there's no reason, man. We're just going to read because what we do is traditions. Amen? Traditions. Nothing wrong with traditions. Is that what you do? Do it, man. But I want to give you the story behind it. Amen? So that when your family member goes to say, hey, we're going to read Luke chapter 2 today, you're going to say, hey, interesting story about Luke chapter 2. Did you know? Amen? Amen? Yes, All right. So uh, the solution is, is our title. Anybody got a problem in here? Yep. I know y'all do. Right? When you're up this high, you can see other people's problems. I just want you to know I have none. Okay? So this is not for me. It's for you. <laughs> you know it's for me. Amen? Say amen. 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 All right, let's get right into it. John 3, 16. For God so, now God didn't just love the world. God so loved the world. One day I'm going to preach a message on the word so because it's important. God didn't just love the world. He so loved the world. So loved the world, not the church, not Christians. He loves the world. He loves gay people, drunks, drug addicts. He loves people. Don't ever forget that because sin is sin. We're not, we're not in this place where we have a, when we go to God, we go, that's a misdemeanor sin. That's a felony. No, sin is sin. And God loves the sinner. He hates the sin because he knows what it does to us. But he loves the sinner. All right? He gave his only begotten son. He loved the world so much he gave. Love is giving, right? Love is giving. Love is not love unless it's first given. He gave his son. That whoever, whoever, black, White, Democrat, Republican, Asian, Fort Whiteian, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Lake Cityan, Gainesvilleian, it doesn't matter. God loves people, and whoever believes that Jesus did come because God loves them, look, in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's good news. This is what Jesus with his own words said, okay? The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come. Some people say, why did Jesus come? What's the story behind Christmas? He says it. You don't have to guess it. You don't have to read some theology book, commentary. Just listen to Jesus. <laughs> I have come that they may have life. Li not just life. And that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus doesn't just want you to have life. He wants you to have it more abundantly. In other words, he wants you to be living life 
to the fullest. Like me, have excitement everywhere you go. Not like me. Don't look at me. Like Jesus. But sometimes I get so excited. And, and I'm just full of life. Like I have no fear, no doubt, right? But that's not me all the time. Right? That's why I need, that's why God sent me my little helper. <laughs> my little helper. Anybody got a little helper that rides next to him in the car? But she does a great job of reminding me. She's like, you know what you tell the church? I'm like, oh, no, babe, what do I tell the church? But I know why she's doing it. She's not doing it. to, to See, that's my, my, my pride that lets that get. If I just listen to what God's saying through my wife and receive it, then I'm reminded of the truth. Amen. And, and that, that I can feel this way. That's why we need each other, church. That's why he says don't forsake the assembly. He knows we need each other to encourage one another, to lift each other up. Because we all have those moments. Amen? But life more abundantly. Look at Romans 5.12. We have a problem, right? We had a problem. But check this out. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world. Who's that one man? Adam. Because Adam sinned, now everybody after him Became a sinner. The sin is in our blood. Adam was a blood man. That's literally what his name means. Blood man. Adam. Right? Uh, and death through sin and thus death spread to all men. Some of you ladies are like, see, it's men. Don't even get me started on Eve. <laughs> because, because all sinned. For until the law Sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. I want you to meditate on that. Chew it up a little bit and spit it out. Roll it up in a cigar and smoke it. But I want you to see that for until the law, sin was in the world. Sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there's no law. The word says right now that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. Therefore, sin is not imputed to us. You know why? It was imputed to Jesus. That was a great spot for an amen. Let's try it again. It was imputed to Jesus. <laughs> Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned. Some people say, I didn't sin, man. I ain't committed no adultery. I ain't committed no, no judgment. I, 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 I'm perfect. Okay, dude. Even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. Listen, you may have not have eaten the apple or the orange or the fig or whatever it was, right? <laughs> but you got sin in you. We all have sin in us, right? Who is a type of him who was to come. Adam, the first man, is a type of Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament is about Jesus. Everything. So we see Adam, who is a type of Jesus. The Bible refers to Jesus as the second Adam, a much better Adam. Because what Adam did, it affected all of us. What Jesus did, much more affected all of us. Will you catch it like Dwayne did? <laughs> I'll hit her in the head, and then she'll, like, beat me up. So I, we're going to leave him right there. All right? But the free gift, listen, because it's free to us, doesn't make it cheap. 
It cost God his son. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more. Say much more. It just feels good to say much more, doesn't it? Much more. Much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Much more grace. Where sin increased, grace super increased. See? All right. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. In other words, what Adam did condemned us all. What Jesus did justified us if we believe him. So we had a sin problem. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more, there it is again, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign through in life through the one Jesus. Listen, these are the two things that I pray every morning on the way to take my kids to school. The two things. God, or, or Father, I thank you. I thank you for the abundance of favor that you've given me today. And for the free gift of righteousness that you gave me today. Why do I pray those two things? So that me and my children will reign in this life. Today. That's what it says. Reign. When you reign, your problems don't reign. When you reign, your sickness doesn't reign. When you reign, your lack of finances doesn't reign. You reign through Jesus. And that's why I pray. That's why Satan attacks that grace message so much. He knows that once a believer understands grace, he's going to reign in life. And Satan does not want you reigning in life. So he'll attack those two messages. One, you are not favored because look at your sin. You can't be righteous because you just sinned. And you're looking at your sin. He wants you to look at your sin. Man, you tell him, I'm looking at my Savior, fool. Don't talk to Satan. But if the conversation comes up, <laughs> remind yourself that no matter what you do right now, you're not, you're not making light of sin. You're making much of Jesus. No, no matter what you do in your sin, you're still righteous in the eyes of God. He's like, get up. Let's go. Yeah, you failed. Shake it off. <laughs> God hates sin but loves the sinner. So what's the solution? There was a problem. Adam, everybody was tainted with the sin blood. So, so there's a problem, but God loves the world. So what's the solution? It's Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is the solution to our problem. Y'all going to have to start wearing raincoats. <laughs> John 3.16. Whenever you see John 3.16, I want you to think solution to our problem. Not just my problem. The world's problem. Everybody had a sin problem because of Adam. Everybody did. Say Everybody. No, say everybody. <laughs> yeah. So on the cross, God separated us from our sin. That's what the cross is all about. God was separating us from our sin. We had a sin problem. We couldn't pay for it. No matter what we did, no matter what rules we followed, you got to keep the Ten Commandments. Nobody could. That's why Jesus came. That's why the Bible says he's the end of the law. 
The end. You know what it means, the end? Anybody know what it means in the Greek? The end. <laughs> it's done. Amen? People say, hey, Christ didn't, just, he didn't destroy the law. He fulfilled it. Yeah, it's fulfilled. What, what are you saying? If it's fulfilled, is there any left to fill? No, man, don't come to church and leave your brain at home. Bring your brain to church. If Christ fulfilled it, it's fulfilled. Amen. If you're going to make fun of the way I say fulfill, take it outside. <laughs> yeah, man, I love the Lord. Y'all love the Lord? Isn't it fun to be able to come to church? Why should church be boring? Why can't we have life and have it more abundantly? Amen? I go, I go to a concert. There's a concert here Friday night. I got flyers for it. It's a re CD release thing, man. And there's going to be about eight people, eight different groups here. Man, it's going to be fun. It's going to be life. You don't have to go somewhere and go to church and feel like you got to sit straight up and your grandma going to pull your ear. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, grandma better be glad I don't know what I know today back when I was four. Be like, look, woman, touch my ear one more time. <laughs> don't, if you're a kid, don't do that. All right, check out Leviticus 4.32. If he brings a lamb as his sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. That's how it worked back in the old days, right? You had to bring a lamb without blemish. Say lamb. You had to bring a lamb without blemish. What would happen is the sinner would put his hands on the lamb, both hands, Say all both of them. <laughs> Put all both hands on the lamb. And, and, and why two hands? Why? Well, because your sin is going into the innocent lamb. The innocent lamb's righteousness is coming back to you. See, most churches teach one arm. I'm teaching both arms. That's why they put them in there. The righteousness of that lamb comes back into you. That lamb, that innocent lamb is taking all your sin for that one year and you get to walk away justified. You get to walk away blessed. You get to walk away with more than you had when you came. And it's not because you did anything right. It's because your, representat your representation was right. Your innocent lamb, right? That's how it worked back in the day. So look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin. Why? It was for us. He was our lamb, right? That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who we are today. If you're a believer, God sees you as nothing but righteous. And he's not looking at you. He's looking at you covered by Jesus. Just like God, the priest, when the priest was examining the lamb, he never looked at the offerer. You know why? Because everybody knew the offerer was sinful. He was inspecting the lamb. So the question isn't how good is the offerer. The question is how good is your lamb? So how good is your lamb, church? He's perfect. He is perfect. Your lamb is perfect. All right, Luke chapter 2. Here's the Christmas story. Y'all ready? I'm going to give you a sign. One sign of Christmas. It's right here. Then the angel said to them, Do, them is the shepherds, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Right? All people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Amen. Say Savior. Amen. Does it say lawgiver? No. Does it say judge? 
No, but what does the world think about it? They think that we're out to judge them for everything. That's why they don't want to come here. Who wants to go someplace where they're being judged? Hey, you guys are living together and you're not married. You cannot participate <laughs> because you're a sinner. Well, if that's the case, every single person in this church better get out right now. <laughs> you can't classify sin. We're all sinners. Jesus said, do come as you are. And he never said, bow down before me, you heathen, you harlot. Did he? No, he was always, you know what? Sinners came to Jesus. Religious people went behind his back. Sinners came to Jesus. There must have been something about Jesus Say, hey, I'm available. Hey, I love you. I'm your solution. Amen. Whoo, Savior. Don't ever skip over that. It's Savior. Say Savior. Savior. That's who he is. Doesn't say judge. Doesn't say lawgiver. Savior. Who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign, right? To you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Now, is a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes really that out of the ordinary? No. Is a babe lying in a manger ordinary? <laughs> no, you're like, oh, that's the sign, right? A babe wrapped in swollen clothes isn't the sign. A babe laying in a manger, now that's a sign. Now we think manger means what? Some of you guys have been here a while. I love to tell this story. A manger for us in the new world that we're in today is not the same manger back in Jesus' day. So we want to know what it was like back in Jesus' day. So this is a manger taken from King Solomon's uh, uh, stable, okay? Um, Magadi, Mag, Magido, right? This is still there today. That is a stable. That right there. And the word stable in the Greek actually means feeding trough. It's feeding trough. You see it right there? So Christ was laid in that. You see a little wooden thing at the mall? Kick it over. <laughs> Just joking. This is a lie! <laughs> Just joking. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't kick it if it's stone. That's just obvious, right? So, so look, we got a stable. That's what it was at. That's what it was for. You put, you put hay in there. You put whatever you need in there, right? But that's the true stable. Now, isn't it interesting that it's, it's stone, but it's hewn out, right? You see that? See it? That should remind you of another place that is stone that was hewn out. Looks just like it. It's the tomb that Jesus was buried in. It was hewn out. It's stone. That's the garden tomb still there today. If you go to Israel, you can visit it, right? Just like Megiddo, you can visit that too. But you can see where it's carved out. It's carved out, and, and people will tell you it's actually carved out even longer up there on the top because uh, uh, Joseph of Amelia, he was shorter than Jesus was, so they, they had to make it longer, right? So that looks just like the feeding trough when they see it. You can see where they took it out right there. And what you can see from this church is, is that Jesus was born to die. He was born to die for us. That's the whole reason he came. That's Christmas. He was born to die, knowing he would die for us. God knew he would die for us. Can you imagine watching him grow up knowing that he's going to die for us? He's going to take something that, that he doesn't deserve so that we can have something that we don't deserve. Amen. And that's grace, love, forgiveness. None of us deserve it. 
But he loved us that much that he gave us his own son. So back to this. And, the, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Not bad will, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing. Now, I thought they were in Bethlehem. They weren't. They were on the outskirts of Bethlehem. And see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, a feeding trough. Question. How did the shepherds know? Because it doesn't tell us any directions. It doesn't say, hey, this is where they are. How did they know to go right where Mary and Joseph were? How? How in the world did they know to go right there? Because they went with haste. You go with haste, you know where you're going. You're not just going to run around. <laughs> Amen? Although men sometimes do that when they fail to get directions. We go in haste, not knowing where we're going. It's around here somewhere, right? Can you see the shepherds? Did you find it? No, over here, right? No. It, listen, we got to understand that back in the day, mangers where they kept their animals were like garages for us. There wasn't one big manger, right? There was, there was multiple mangers there. There was thousands of people in Israel. Some, I asked the youth this Wednesday night, and uh, the main answer was, well, there was a star. But the star wasn't right on top of the manger. It was on top of Bethlehem. But within Bethlehem, the city, there's thousands of garages, <laughs> if you would. Because they all rode donkeys, eh? right? So manger, manger, how'd they know where to go, right? Look at Micah 5.2. Prophesied about this stuff. These shepherds knew, right? But you, Bethlehem Ephrata. That's Bethlehem. There were two Bethlehems back then, Zebulon and Bethlehem Ephrata. Bethlehem Ephrata is where Jesus was born. But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one, the one. We need to write a song about the one to be ruler in Israel whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. That means Jesus has been there forever. And he's coming to Bethlehem. He's coming there. Like Paul was saying earlier, man, the people knew that. Those shepherds knew that. That's Jewish history. They knew that that was going to happen. So they knew the city, Bethlehem, right? That's why the angel said, born this day in the city of David. Everybody knows what the city of David is. It's Bethlehem. Look at John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is Full of grace and truth, full of favor for you, undeserved favor, full of truth. In the same chapter, the law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. This is another place grace and truth are mentioned. Jesus is all about grace and truth. Well, you got to have some law. No, grace and truth. You want the law, you got to go back to Moses. You want grace and truth, you come to Jesus. So why did he need to come in the flesh? 
Anybody know what a redeemer is? You know who your redeemer is? I know my redeemer lives. She's like, don't clap for him. because <laughs> she, she, Her ears were literally hurting. <laughs> so, so we have a redeemer. If you're visiting, please come back. I don't do that every Sunday. We, we have a redeemer. <laughs> His name is Jesus. What does it mean to redeem? There's three things. Because back in the day, you could be a redeemer. If you lost your property, you could have a redeemer come and get it for you. If you lost your house, a redeemer can come and get it for you. But to be a redeemer, you got to be three things. One, you got to be from the family. You got to be from that family. Let me tell you something. This is why Jesus had to come in the flesh. He had to be from us. He had to be like us in the flesh. He had to be just like us in order to redeem us. Does that make sense to you guys? Secondly, he had to be wealthy. A poor family member can't come and help hook a brother up, right? Anybody try to call a poor family member in time of trouble? No, you call a rich uncle. <laughs> You're like, yo, I know we ain't talked in 10 years. I ran into a little bit of trouble. He's like, Lord, what do you need, right? So anybody do that? Really, Bob? I've never done that. You want to tell us about it? <laughs> We've all done that, amen? <laughs> Don't answer. I'll call you out. No, I'm just joking. So, but he's got to be wealthy. Here's the question. Does your father in heaven own some stuff? <laughs> yeah. Unlimited, right? And it doesn't do you any good if he's from your family and he's wealthy. The most important thing, he's got to be willing. The question is, is Jesus willing? You know how willing he is? It is finished. He, that's how willing he is. He's willing to go to the cross for you. He is your redeemer. He has redeemed you. He's bought you back from the sin debt that you had. He's the only one that could pay it. He paid it. In fact, he's an overpayment. Overpayment. He's in overpayment. Hey, we got to add that in there, boy. It's true. Amen. He's an overpayment. Somebody, you might owe the bank uh, $5,000 on a loan. Say I owe the bank. I owe Capital City $5,000 on a loan. Pastor Dwayne goes in there and says, hey, here's a million dollars for Troy's loan. And the bank teller's like, it's only $5,000. He goes, oh, that's all right. You keep it. Give it to your charity or something. Right? Amen? It's an overpayment. That's who Jesus is. You will never be able to count the, the, the payment, the cost that came at the cross. All we can do is say, thank you. He is willing, man. Look at Micah 4.8. Micah 4.8. We know the city. We know the city's Bethlehem. Look at Micah 4.8. Same Micah, right? And you, O tower of the flock. The stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. Even he, the word it is not there in the Hebrew, by the way. I don't know why they put it there. To you shall he come. Even the former dominion shall come. The kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. That means Jesus is coming as king. He's king. Now, tower of the flock is a place. Tower of the flock. In the Hebrew, it's Migdal Erder, Migdal, Tower, Adair, Flock. It's a place. So we know the city. Now we know a place in the city. Everybody understand? And Micah knew that. Those shepherds knew that. 
Jewish people knew that. There's something special about these shepherds, though, that nobody talks about. But if you read Scripture, it's to our glory to go and search a matter out. And God will hide these things. They're mysteries. But Paul says it's our glory. Kings and queens, go search that out. And when we do, we find life. Nobody texted me yet. Got nine minutes. Look, this is Migdal Erder. That is the tower of the flock. That is where Jesus was born. It wasn't some put-up garage shed. Amen? Wasn't boxes stacked up on that. That is the tower of the flock. Migdal Erder. You can Google it yourself. We, we just found out last night that little, uh, what do you call it, snow globe? We have a snow globe with the manger scene. On the outside, it's engraved. That's engraved on it. Isn't that crazy? But that's it, man. So don't, don't think. You see the little, the little hut thing, man? Kick it! Say, <laughs> so that's a lie! <laughs> don't. Don't do it. Trent, don't do it. You hear me? <laughs> do not go to school Monday. <laughs> Because they will call a brother. All right, look, Genesis. It comes from this place. So, so the the Migdal Eder, right? You go to Genesis chapter thirty-five. It says, "So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrathah. That is Bethlehem. So when Rachel died, they were they were on their way. Rachel still has a tomb today that you can go and visit. It's on the way to Bethlehem. It is Bethlehem. It's just on the outside of Bethlehem, right? And Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Jacob did that, his, her, her husband, right? Look, this is it right here, right outside of Bethlehem. That's Rachel. Now, they added that part right there, but that, that little part over there with the dome on it, that's Rachel's grave. So Rachel's there right outside of Bethlehem. Everybody with me? Next verse. Then Israel, his name changed. Whenever you see a name change, something important's happening, right? Would you say that about Saul who went to Paul? Yeah. Kephas, who went to Peter, he went from being a rock to a stone, a stone, a pillar. The Bible said a pillar for Jesus. Amen. Name changes are important. Abram went to Abraham. Sarah. Sarah went to Sarah, name changes are important. So when you see a name change, you need to ask yourself, what's this? What's going on? Then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the Tower of Adair. That's a place. So he built the, 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 uh, the, the, the pillar for Rachel, right, in Bethlehem, just outside. Then he pitched his tent right there because he wanted to be by her. He pitched his tent just outside the Tower of Adair. Are you with me? Isn't it cool how all this stuff is in Scripture? Now, let me show you some. This is the Mishnah. Mishnah is a Jewish history book. It goes way back. It's the oldest Jewish history book about the traditions of the Jewish people. So let me read this to you. And yet Jewish tradition may here prove both illustrative and helpful. That the, the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. We know that, right? was a settled conviction. Equally so was the belief that he was to be revealed from Migdal Erder. That's where Jesus was going to be revealed. To who? The shepherds, the wise men, Migdal Erder, the tower 
of the flock. What's so special about this tower, right? This Migdal Adair was not the watchtower for the ordinary flocks, which pastored on the barren sheep ground beyond Bethlehem, but lay close to the town. Why would this special, uh, f- this special tower be close to town? On the road to Jerusalem, right? A passage in the Mishnah leads to the conclusion that the flocks which pastured there were destined for... I'm like, what? Did y'all get goosies? And it's not about getting the goosies. This is, this is where history and the Bible collide. Like God didn't, that didn't catch, God knew what he was doing. It's the mission. I'm not making this up. Don't take my word for it. Go study it for yourself. Like now. <laughs> We're almost done. Whoever just texted me. All right. All right, the temple sacrifice, and, and, it's not over, and accordingly that the shepherds who watched over them were not ordinary shepherds. The latter were under the ban of rabbi, that one, (laughs) on account of their necessary isolation from religious ordinances and their manner of life, which rendered strict legal observances unlikely, if not absolutely impossible. They were separated. These shepherds were separated. From other shepherds, right? The same Mishnah passage also leads us to infer that these flocks lay out all year round since they are spoken of as in the fields 30 days before the Passover. That's in Leviticus, right? Uh, That is in the month of February. Y'all think Christmas is in December. It's not. But I'm glad it is. I'm expecting some good stuff. (laughs) you're like dude i ain't buying you nothing (laughs) you can if you want though right oh man where'd i go passover that is the month of february when in palestine the average rainfall is nearly greatest in february right thus jewish tradition in some dim manner apprehended the first revelation of the messiah from that migdal adair right where shepherds watched the temple flocks all the year round of the deep symbolic significance of such a coincidence, <laughs> it is needless to speak. Do you think Jesus would just be born in some ordinary temple? He came very poor. He came with nothing. I'm not saying he's rich and he, was, he came in this castle. Man, if somebody says that, run. Or punch him and run. Kick them, tell them they're a liar. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I do not advocate violence. Y'all know I'm joking. Don't send an email. All right. So it's needless to speak. You see this? This is how many of you guys are like impressed by this stuff? And it's not about being impressed. How many of you guys are impressed that God knew this all along? He orchestrated this. This is from the Mishnah. It's the oldest Jewish tradition history book there is. In fact, it's called part of the Torah. Are you with me? In fact, the Mishnah, the dude Baba, Baba K, <laughs> he'll be here Friday night. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> expressly, expressly forbids the keeping of the flocks throughout the land of Israel, except in the wilderness. And the only flocks otherwise kept would be those for the temple services. Now listen, Jesus came 
Do you know when those, those little lambs are born? Those little lambs are born. They're for the, the, the temple sacrifices. They have to be perfect. So do you know what they do, those shepherds? you know what they do when those lambs are born? They wrap them in swaddling clothes. Do you know why they lay them in that feeding trough? So they won't run around and get bruised up. They have to be perfect. They have to be perfect. Jesus, born in Magdal Erder, was the perfect lamb. He was born in the same uh, stable, the same, in the same manner as the sacrificial lambs have always been treated. And now here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus didn't just come to cover it like those sheep did on Yom Kippur. They covered your sin for one year. Jesus came. John said, hey, behold, behold. That means look, look, the Lamb of God who doesn't cover it, he takes it away. He took sin away. There is no more payment for sin. Well, what about people that are sinning out there? Their sin's paid for. Go tell them who paid for it. Tell them who loved them. Tell them who still loves them right where they are. They can still come to someone who loves them even though they have sin. Clap. That's a good place to clap. (laughs) That's the good news. Are we done? Oh, Oh, so look, you go back to Luke chapter 2. Tell your family this. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. That's Micah 5, 8 in Bethlehem. Micah 4, what's the other one? 4, 8. No, that's Micah. What's the other one? 5, 2. Look, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That's Micah 5, 2, 4, 8. You see what I'm saying? That's what it is. So you can tell them because of that verse, Micah, those shepherds knew because of Micah. That's the the city and the place in the city. Did y'all learn something today? Let Let me learn you something else. If you came in here today and you're worried about God judging you, let me just tell you, your judgment has risen. Your judgment has risen. Your judgment is seated at the right hand of the Father today. You don't have to look at him as God. You can call him Father. That's why Jesus came to reveal that name. You, the, the Father, Abba. You can call him Abba. Father. Why? Because we have a relationship now. He's not out, God out to judge you. He's not God out to put the paddle on you when you mess up. He's God out to love you. Jesus took your punishment. Jesus took that paddle for you. That doesn't make you want to keep sinning. That makes you want to love him more. I've never loved Jesus as much as I love him today. And and I didn't love him. I didn't have that relationship when I was growing up in a church because I always felt like I wasn't good enough. I always felt like I couldn't measure up. Man, And it wasn't until I understood grace that I saw I don't have to measure up. My measure up hung on a cross for me. And he didn't just stay there. He rose. He's alive. I'm about to start streaking. Anybody get so excited they got a street? Look, everybody's leaving. Look, hey, Reuben, lock the door. <laughs> I, used to do, I used to do that in high school. You want to see it? It ain't happening, bro. Hey, stand up. Give Jesus the praise and the honor that he deserves because all this good news is because of him. 
Listen, if you have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to remember during Christmas, he is the reason, the reason, the solution that, 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 that we had a problem and God provided Jesus. That's the reason for Christmas. That's the reason he came born in the flesh. That's the reason he came born at Megdal Adair because he was the perfect lamb for us. God, man, let me just tell you this. If you don't know Jesus, I pray that through this message this morning, you see how much you're loved. I hope you don't feel judged by God. I hope you understand that you're a sinner, but I hope you understand that your sin's been paid for. Your sin's not going to be paid for when you confess Jesus. Your sin was paid for a long time ago. When you confess Jesus, you're justified. Forever. There's no more judgment for you. All the Bible says don't confess your sin. The Bible says confess Jesus. Confess Jesus. As your Lord and Savior, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Nowhere, nowhere does it say confess your sin there to be saved. Hey, you know, who needs help knowing they're a sinner? Really? Who needs help knowing that they're righteous in light of the fact that you're a sinner? I need help with that. That's why we come to church. That's why we fellowship, because we got to be reminded that even though we fail, there's still a Father who loves us right where we are, and that you can't get right on your own. Stop trying. Start resting and receiving the fact that Jesus has qualified you by his blood. I could go on and on, man, but listen, I'm hungry. If, if you do not know who Jesus is, please come see me. Let me pray with you. It doesn't take long. God made it simple. And because it's simple, don't, it's not cheap. It is not cheap, but it is simple. Religion has made it hard. You will not have to go into some 10-week class. Amen? Amen. Ain't nobody got time for a 10-week class. I, I, you just got all the class you need right here this morning. Every Sunday morning, you're going to hear good news. How good God is, not how bad you are. Amen? If that's you, please see me. If you have a prayer request, follow me to lunch. We can pray about it before we eat. Amen? Bruce is going to be here all day. Come see him. He'll pray with you. All right, the barn family, they, they stay here till four. Amen? No. <laughs> Listen. If you need prayer, man, please come. I'm not constrained by time. I'm joking. But if you need prayer, please come. I'll pray with you. There's plenty of qualified people that pray with you. And most importantly, man, if you don't know Jesus, don't walk out of here without confessing him as your Lord and Savior, man, because that is why I'm so excited today. Amen? Amen. Let that be you. I'm going to pray, and then you guys will be dismissed. Amen? Amen? Will you bow your heads with me? Father, we just thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for blessing us beyond measure. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We lift up the name of Jesus. Thank you that he's our savior. Thank you that he loves us so much that he, he, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he went to the cross willingly because he loved us. We thank you, Father, that our sin was put on Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for me, that I might have life. God, thank you for making me righteous in Christ Jesus. Thank you for allowing me to walk with no condemnation, no guilt, no shame. All of it was put on Jesus at the cross. 
And I thank you that he's not on the cross anymore, that he rose from the grave, that he defeated condemnation, he defeated guilt, he defeated shame, he defeated death. And now we have life and life more abundantly. I pray for the people in this room, Lord God, that you would bless them with that message, that you would restore their soul. Even as I speak, restore their mind. They may have come in here broken. God, they will leave here whole in the name of Jesus. Thank you for being for us. God, we celebrate this season. We celebrate who Christ is, the same yesterday, today, and forever, the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Thank you for your love. God, bless this church. Bless the people in this church as they leave. Prosper them in everything they do. God, every, every place their feet touch, every place their hands touch, every place their eyes look upon, it brings the favor of Almighty God with them. God, may people see that in them, the light of Christ in them. May they see that, Father, and be drawn to them. And may they hear the good news. Not about their sin, but about a Savior who died for their sin. Bless these people beyond measure. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you.